Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. Hey friends, are you familiar with the most trusted business network for business executives? It's the C-Suite Network. If you're a business of $5 million or greater, and if you're a VP level or higher, then you're invited to join the C-Suite Network to connect with your business peers. Go to c-suitenetwork.com, that's a c-suitenetwork.com, to learn more about the benefits, meetings, and services exclusive for C-Suite executives like you. Okay, let's do the show. It's time to accelerate. This is Andy. Welcome to episode 444 of Accelerate, where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. Hey, we all hit slumps in sales from time to time, but if you're struggling with how to get your sales back on track, then you need to go to accelerate.fm forward slash spark and get my free ebook, How to Spark a Sales Turnaround. You know, in the course of interviewing for the show, I've asked more than 300 sales experts how they would turn the corner on slumping sales, and I've compiled their recommendations into a practical step-by-step guide that you can use to accelerate your sales today. So don't wait. Go to accelerate.fm forward slash spark, spelled S-P-A-R-K, to get your free copy of How to Spark a Sales Turnaround. Joining me on the show is Sonia Simone. Sonia is the Chief Content Officer at Copy Blogger Media. In this episode, we explore content marketing and how it's changing, how even though it's not really a new topic, it's still on the list of the most important marketing trends in 2017. So we explore how content marketing is changing in response to changes in the market and technology, and we compare the art of marketing to the art of selling. So Sonia, let's talk about you first. How'd you get started and where are you now? Yeah, I am the chief content officer for um, Copyblogger. Um, the parent company is called Rainmaker Digital. It's really the same same company, just a different name. Um, and basically, uh, you know, the Copyblogger blog, I think a lot of people are fairly familiar with in the content marketing space. Um, and so I kind of helped determine the editorial direction there with my business partner, Brian Clark, who is the one who founded Copyblogger, um, and uh, create a, you know, a fair amount of content myself. I write quite a bit. I, mm-hmm. um, I have a podcast. I also run a – we have a private community of content marketers, and so I really lead that community. And um, just, you know, I uh, – Long ago, I was um, a writer for a travel company, and one of the salesmen called me the word put-togetherer, and uh, <laughs> it's still kind of my job. I'm, I'm one of the, you know, one of the lead word put-togetherers over at, over at Copyblogger. Got it. So, there's a, yeah, there is so much that I find this interesting. There's a lot of talk still about content marketing, and... Yeah, it's not like it's new, right? But, I mean, like, I was researching right. uh, recently... Uh, about 
top marketing trends for 2017 and looked at various lists, you know, top 10, top 15, you know, things marketers need to think about for 2015 and, or 2017, excuse me. And um, content marketing is right at the top of the list still. Yeah, yeah. And so it's not new. So, so yeah. why, why is that still such a huge point of, of focus? I think it's it's a huge point of focus. Um, it's just a reality of the web, and it's a reality of uh, markets that are you know are on the internet. Um, every year, they're presented with kind of more distractions, more um, you know bright and shiny objects to look at, more time spent on social mm-hmm. the social web, and the more. The more that becomes available, the less you can count on something like a traditional ad to interrupt that person's day and and get a message to them. And then when you do interrupt that person's day, which you do right on a Facebook, sure. uh, you know, Facebook advertising very effective, uh, Google AdWords still very effective. When you do kind of get into that person's attention stream, you have to do it with something interesting. And you have to do it with something that's worth their time because otherwise they'll just flit off to something right. else. There's no way you can hold attention in this marketplace, in in this marketplace of, of distractions and, and entertainments and diversions without really putting together material that um, – you know that people are are going to want to spend their time on. So, yeah, I don't think it's I don't think it's going anywhere. It's going <laughs> to well, I think I was, it's going to be around for quite a while. Yeah, I guess I was really asking the question from the perspective of so how's yeah how's it changing? How's it evolving? I mean, one is interesting. It still seems like you know outside a major enterprise, the penetration's still inconsistent and relatively low. You know, if you look at a lot mm-hmm. of small and mid-sized enterprises, you know, still without any sort of clue about. A consistent content marketing program. I mean, you finding that to be the case as well. Yeah, I think um, I do. I think it's a rare small to mid-sized business. Um, they don't feel confident, you know, about their ability to create that interesting content, and so I think they know that they would benefit from this thing called content marketing, whatever that is. But I don't think they have the confidence um, in their ability to produce the the creative work, the original creative work that you need to produce. Um, but I think that slowly the smaller companies, the mid-sized companies are starting to realize that if they will, if they will grab that, you know, if they will grab that opportunity, they have a real potential for a competitive advantage because their competitors are not there yet. So I'm seeing smaller organizations get started with it uh, and doing some really, really interesting work. But um yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, small to mid-sized businesses already have a lot on their plate and thinking about, you know, oh, now I have to, like, come up with some kind of interesting content. It's, you know, it's, it can be intimidating. Right. But I think it's, isn't it, it seems to me, it's, and I've certainly talked about this with the clients that I have, that it's time to start sort of re-envisioning the way your structure looks because this, as an organization, because this is not suddenly a, a nice to have. This is really, this is, <laughs> this is mission critical. And so, if you didn't have this role in your organization before, as you maybe need to think about, you know, within the budget you have, making some trade-offs and saying, yeah, this is becomes really a, a sort of mission-critical role that we need to have as a small organization to go forward. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think the companies are are really finding that um, because you need to differentiate, and frankly, you need to compete with those you know monster businesses and their monster budgets. Um, so yeah, and you know it's it's um, it's coming as we say in Italy, piano piano, slowly slowly. <laughs> um, but no, I you know I think the more traditional business. Um, is, is starting to realize that there might be some things that they could do with content. And particularly, as you said, you know, you can move some dollars around from um, certainly if you're still, you know, there's plenty of still small businesses still buying Yellow Pages ads and things like that. So um, if you're still kind of putting some resources into that, um, then those dollars are getting shifted around. And of course, a lot of the small business community, they are served by um uh, search marketers, you know, as mm-hmm. they do, they do, a lot of them do have an SEO and they are talking to that person and the smart search engine optimization organizations are all about content. And so I think the, the search professionals are going to help that smaller business kind of get up to speed um, and really understand that, you know, content is a, is a search strategy as well as, you know, serving all kinds of other roles. Well, I think that's also one of the issues with a lot of small enterprises is that they tend to think about content marketing as just writing a blog, mm-hmm. which it's beyond that. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, it's, it's um, you know, business owners have to think like, every business owner has to think like a CMO, even if maybe you, you already have a CMO. You know, every every business owner really, really needs to put, it's one of their top priorities, is cash flow and customer acquisition. Just full stop, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so, yeah, I think that... Um, you know, yeah, I think that they're they're getting they're getting more sophisticated about it, and um, you know, gradually kind of <laughs> kind of coming to the coming to the realization that, as you said, it's not you know it's not not a nice to have anymore. Really, you have to be in the you have to be in the game. And a blog, there's nothing wrong with starting with a blog. And some companies, that's you know that's sufficient. I mean it. It just really depends so much on what you do um, and how well you do it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But there, you know, um, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of ways that we can get content out. Uh, you know, there's tremendous things people are doing on YouTube, um, depending on what kind of business you're in. Um, some businesses are really making podcasting work. In my in my view, that's a long game. Podcasting is there's not a lot of quick wins, but you can definitely make some interesting things happen. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, I, so I just yeah. look at my own, my own platform since I started podcasting. Um, it has grown <laughs> exponentially. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, but it's been, I've been doing it now for 15 months, but yeah, they always say podcasting, you know, wait till the end of year two before you make any assessments about whether it's working for you or not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, anytime we talk about these kind of strategies, I mean, content is, um, Content is a is a big word. I'm not actually a fan of that term at all. Content marketing, right? What do you use because as to me, well, that's the trick. <laughs> it's the, you know, that's the problem. Um, that word content is so you know. I mean, in a way, everything on the web is content. You know, right. that's that's not like banking data. Um, so it's all content. But yeah, I mean, that's the that's the trick. Is you know how to put it otherwise succinctly. Um, 
you know, and, and I've seen some interesting things about calling for it. Well, it's not really content marketing, it's audience marketing, because it's, it's really about producing something that really serves the audience instead of serving you, you know, an ad, mm-hmm. maybe you could think of an advertisement serves the business and content serves the customer and the prospect, right. um, you know, and it's, it's all these distinctions, um, you, we can kind of hold them and play around with them, but they all, you know, none of them holds up if you look at it too closely. But, uh, it, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's very vague. And I think that's actually one of the reasons that the smaller businesses that might not have a big agency um, are a little slow to the game is just because it seems so vague. You know, it's like, well, what does that even mean, content marketing? I mean, you know, it sounds like a buzzword. Yeah, well, how would you define it? I mean, if somebody, if we have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to the show. I mean, if if, yeah. if you had to succinctly define it, because it's not just doing a blog. Yeah, it's not just doing a blog, although although you could just do all your, your content marketing sure. could just consist of your blog and that could work. Uh, for me, the, um, the phrase that I have always found that resonates, and I didn't come up with it. I'm trying to remember who did. It might have been... It might have been a copywriter named Gary Bensavango, who's a great traditional copywriter. But the idea is to make your advertising too valuable to throw away. So you're creating, a, you know, so it's a blog post that somebody has bookmarked or even better, maybe they actually like printed it out and they kind of stuck it up on the cork board above where they work to kind of look at it and refer to it. Or it's, you know... Um, it's the, it's the podcast that they refer to. It's the infographic that they print out and share with the team mm-hmm. so they can make decisions. You know, if you think about that, what are you producing that has so much intrinsic value that people don't just kind of glance at it and then eh, maybe they're interested in the product and if they're not, then they just glance on. What could really hold hold that person um, you know, the reference, the um, and also things that are it's not enough to be useful. And I, I see um, I see a lot of blogs that are very useful and they have good good information, high quality information, but they're very me too. You know, they're mm-hmm. very generic. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's doing the same seven ways to do the thing. Right. Post. Everyone's doing the same. And there's not much personal voice. There's not much personality. No, it's clickbait. Uh, yeah, it's just, you know, it's it's very same, same, same. So mm-hmm. that's part of it, too. If, if you want it to be too valuable to throw away, it also has to be really kind of different, you know, kind of interesting, have some personality, have some texture and some, um, I mean, I say art, you know. Well, I, <laughs> um, I want to talk about that, that art thing in a, yeah. in a couple of minutes because I, I thought there was a really interesting post you wrote about that and applicable across Sales, marketing, and multiple fields. But um, before we get to that, I mean, sort of wandered toward that point. But um, maybe sort of buttressing what you were just talking about, which I think was a great quote, is to make your advertising because content marketing, content you create basically as advertising, even though it's not overt necessarily yep. in all cases. But make your advertising too valuable to throw away. I love that. That's a great, great perspective for people to think about, even if they're doing something as we said, just blogging or. Whatever they're creating is is yeah having a having a point of view. I think is yeah, is yeah. part of what you're talking about is not being the me too and not being what I call the the clickbait you know blogs that you know seven ways to do this ten ways to do that and so on. I mean, 
I thought we had, <laughs> just when you thought we were getting away from numbered posts, we're, we're coming yeah. back to them again. Oh, we'll never get away from numbered posts. We'll never get away from numbered posts. And because there is something about numbers, it's the, it's the weirdest thing. But when you put a number in a headline, it's you just watch it and you're like, yeah, there it goes, you know? Mm. Um, but you can write an, you can write a boring numbered post that's the same thing everyone else in your industry is writing and they're just so dull. And if you covered up the header, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know who wrote it. You know, I would have no idea that it was your site versus uh, dozens and dozens of your competitors. Or you can put a number in the headline and then really write something different and and really write something that speaks with a voice that can't be, you know, um, just kind of written by some algorithm somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, I, I see... It's just astonishing to me when you look at your numbers and you say, you know, those dang old numbers, man. <laughs> People <laughs> click on those numbers. Um, but make that make the post worth it. Make it worth the click. And then, you know, and then I say, yeah, you know, use it. Use what works. Yeah. Well, I mean, I sort of use that in emails, you know, sales mails, sales emails I'll send to clients, uh, maybe somebody that I've, yeah, I'm not sending an article to them. I say, hey, I thought about you this morning when I was reading this article. You know, here's the link. Uh, you know, there are two points in there I think we should discuss, but I don't say what the points are. Yeah. And right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So then they have to go in because it piques their curiosity to go in. And I sort of do that sometimes if I'm going to use a number and a headline of a blog I'm writing, you know, I won't clearly mark out the points in the post all the time because I want people to read through it and engage with it. Right, right. So came to a point you'd made about about art, which I thought was a a uh, a great post, um, which I think is really relevant to to sales as well as as marketing. You're talking mm-hmm. about the art of marketing. You know, we talk about the art of selling, and the thing is, yeah, this is sort of controversial these days. The art right. of selling, because in the same way that marketing has become really all about the metrics, now technology is enabling sales to have sort of the same transparency and touch points and be able to have be metrics driven as well. And there's some parts of the sales community say that, you know, the art of selling is dead. Right. Right. But, you know, you talk about, you know, I like your quote, you said you define art as an expression that can't be made by an algorithm, which really defines an interaction with another human being, which is at the heart of sales. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. You know, um, you know exactly. I mean, I think the art of sales is as 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 crucial as it ever was, and I think any organization that's smart is going to be able to just see that. Just look at your sales teams. You know, um, who's performing, who's not performing. I mean, there's an art to it because it is about connection and it's about people. You know, I always say that about like um, search engine optimization, and people go nuts trying to figure out the algorithm and. You know, they're playing to the algorithm. A lot of bad content is bad because it's written trying to make the Google algorithm mm-hmm, happy. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always say, like, well, when they give algorithms credit cards to buy my stuff, I'll think about it. But, I mean, you know. <laughs> Just you wait. Gotta, Just you wait. Yeah, right. Yeah. Maybe maybe so. And when they do, you know, I'll think about it. But I got to connect with a buyer. I got to connect with a person. Um, but I can use... You know, I can use technology to facilitate that, and I can use technology to to help light the path 
Mm -hmm. know, a little bit and say, okay, you know, this message, I mean, it's wonderful for that as a writer to be able to have tools and say, this message expressed in this way resonated in that one, you know, it's just people can get it, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you got to figure out why. But that's that's the problem we have sort of with a lot of the data we find in both marketing and sales is that we see a data point and I mean, you very carefully said the right thing, which was, you had to really sort of look at it and understand what it's really telling you, why one resonated, why one didn't, where we tend to have a tendency to sort of rush in and say, okay, that's a data point. This one that didn't work as yep. well, we're just never going to do that again because that must have been horrible. As opposed to right. saying, well, hey, these were the variables that were at play there. You know, we always would rush right. to see causality right. where it doesn't really exist as opposed to, as you said, there's a correlation, but just not sure what it is. No, exactly. And we think that when we look at data, we're being objective and making an objective decision. Oh, that didn't work. And what we don't see is just what you just said, which is we know it didn't work, but we don't know why. We, you know, and so we imply we imply the causality. The causality. That's what we bring. We say, oh, yeah, uh, confirma- that one didn't confirmation work. bias at work, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that one didn't work because it did that thing I hate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's data is, I, I love data. I, I love evidence. Um, mm-hmm. I try sure, and be a too. very evidence-based thinker. Um, but it's not so easy. And we all think, yeah, you know, I make my decisions based on the evidence. It's it's um, it's trickier than, than it looks. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah, I just read a book by a gentleman who I also interviewed for the show. Uh, named John H. Johnson about a book he'd written called uh, Every Data, the misinformation mm. hidden in the little data we consume every day, which was really just... Oh, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a great book. I recommend it. I think you'd really enjoy it. And uh, But it's about you know how we have to be careful about, you know now that we're all consuming more and more data, that you know we do it with our eyes open. Yeah, yeah. And this whole issue of the confirmation bias, you know, obviously is a, a big one. If we say, yeah, this data fits what I always thought the answer was, um, mm-hmm. which is sort of the central way we use it. So you also, in, in that same article, get back to this question about art and the algorithm, which I loved, was also describing really sort of the, this whole moment of interaction with the prospect. You talk about, you know, it's the creative spark, the unusual choice, the flair of personality, the moment of real human empathy and connection. And when I was reading those, I was saying, well, first of all, I'm going to steal these and use these in my new book <laughs> with attribution, of course. <laughs> but Sounds great. But that really, that's what really defines that moment when, yeah, you've used your technology to, and your MarTech and your sales tech to get you to the point where you actually are in position now to have that right. human-to-human interaction. I think those things you described, that's really it. That's where that the whole art of selling still exists. That's where the, the science, quite frankly, the science of selling still exists from the standpoint of people like, you know, Kahneman and Cialdini and Sversky right, right, and all right. these, you know, Herbert Simon, all these Nobel Prize winning laureates and prominent authors that have, you know, done the research saying, yeah, this is the way the brain works. Those things are really important. And that's where I think the small to medium-sized business and the entrepreneur-led business, that's where we seize the advantage in content. Because a lot of big organizations have a very, very tough time having the the boldness, you Mm -hmm. know, to speak 
that that kind of voice. Mm -hmm. um, but entrepreneurs are nothing if not bold, and um, <laughs> yeah. and that's where you know because I'm all about. I mean, I'm really all about empowering small companies or small organizations um, or even skunk work, you know, mm -hmm. organizations within bigger companies. I'm really about empowering them to do human stuff and, you know, create bold kind of statements because um, that's how you compete. You know, you, um, long ago I wrote about, you know, um, like all metaphors, it only goes so far, but, you know, if you think about the the meteor, right, that, that took out the dinosaurs, mm -hmm. the big companies, they have a trouble with courage, most of them, and even the brave ones get less courageous over time, like Apple, mm -hmm. and, they, and, and they have a tough time being really quick and responsive. Right. Uh, and usually when you see a big company that's really responsive, it's their ad agency talking. The big company's not that responsive. <laughs> um you know, and then they fire that ad agency. Like, <laughs> because they were creating, they were setting a bar that they couldn't live up to. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah they were telling a truth that could, you know, that couldn't be, couldn't be, couldn't be lived. Um, so big companies have a very hard time with this strategy, and sometimes they can do it for a while, but they tend to, um, they tend to have a hard time with it. I like to think of the entrepreneurial organization as like those little mammals, you know, that came in after the meteor and mm -hmm. kind of took over the niches and were really adaptive and really responsive and um, were more flexible, were quicker, um, were smaller, you know, didn't mm -hmm. have the didn't have to didn't have the calorie requirement, right? right? Small, lean, fast, and if we think of ourselves in that way, um, I think that again can help us creating that kind of content that has, you know, art. And I think, I, I mean, I know marketers who roll their eyes and are just like, uh, you know, enough with the art. But I also know marketers who are like, yeah, you know, that's my, um, that's my, my killer app. That's how I thrive and, and the other guy doesn't. So. Well, yeah. Marketing sales, it, it applies both levels. I mean, I, yep. one of my soapboxes I'm on fairly frequently is, and talk about in my books is that, you know, the thing that makes selling so interesting, it is a creative pursuit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we want to call it art. I mean, you, you talk about the artist's life, and one thing being so interesting about it is that you never stop learning. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that should be true throughout your, your career in general, right? I mean, if you're mastering your craft, as you talk about, then new vistas unveil themselves. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, absolutely. I mean, that's what makes it worth coming to work every day, you know, and that's what makes it worth doing the things that we do. Um, but the key point yeah, there so is that I, I think that a lot of people just don't, they stop the learning part. And yeah. we certainly say that in spades and sales or, you know, too many sales professionals sort of say, look, if the comp they depend on the company to, you know, provide yeah. them training and, and not taking the initiative themselves to, to think more broadly about what they do and be exposed to other sources that might inspire them to, you know, reach for that next level in their job. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and I think it goes both ways. I mean, I also see, um, sales organizations that, you know, they're all about the numbers. They're all about, you know, and I mean, if you, you know, some of the pitches that we all get and every mm. time we, every time somebody, you know, kind of has my job and has maybe a fair number of Twitter followers, we get these terrible spammy emails 
you know, they try to sell me like, they try to sell me like a product type. It's like, yeah, my company's like a competitor, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to buy product. Um, you know, and we all share them and groan. But I mean, these are, they're coming <laughs> out of, you know, they're coming out of these sales organizations where junior people are just being told, you know, just do it. I just, you know, it's the email equivalent of smile and dial. Um, yeah, make a hundred contacts today. Make a hundred contacts, and, and, you, and you certainly don't have time to research any of those people so that you might actually make 10 effective contacts that might actually get you somewhere, you know? And so it's... Um, That's sort of the... It's at some all of the, Some of the data serve isn't always helping, and because, you know, you see some companies that, that are, you know, trying to grow quickly or whatever, and they said, okay, well, if we send out, you know, if we make 500 contacts today and we get, uh, you know, one particular email campaign with a certain subject line you know, gets a certain response right then rather than saying, well, how do we use that to double the response right. rate on the 500? They send a thousand emails. Yeah. To double the number. And they send a thousand, a thousand yeah. emails to the wrong people. Yeah. Without, you know? without the research, as you said. Yeah. So one of the things that I also sort of last thing to get into, which I liked, and this is again, another sort of, it's interesting reading it because it's sort of a passion point of mine is that, that you talk about other ways to develop your craft. Yeah, sales, marketing, mm-hmm. both about communication, both about building relationships, you know, some more directly, perhaps some indirectly and whatever. But, you know, the, the end in mind is still the same. And, right. you know, yeah, I encourage people to read sales books, but I encourage them to read lots of other types of books, too. And, and you had some interesting ideas. You said, you know, if you're trying to develop your muscles for communication, so on, study poetry. I thought that was very interesting. Um, I mean, I'm a huge poetry reader myself. Um, I mean, do you have a specific recommendation for people that are saying, okay, huh, that might be interesting. Where do I start? Um, well, I think that, I think the, I think the real place to start is, is really what kind of captures you, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot, of, I think, I, I think a tremendous number of sales professionals in particular would love to go take an acting class. Because it's just it, those personality types tend to be very aligned, you know. Absolutely. Um, and 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 what would improv you learn class. about improv? Yeah, what would you learn about how you're using your voice? And if you meet with clients, you know, face to face, how are you using your body? And even if you're not, you know, your physiology really determines your vocal quality and your um, your level of enthusiasm and and it's fun. You know, it's fun. Acting class is just there's just nothing more fun than acting class. You know, if um, if you feel like you're really um, super effective in terms of your written communication with your clients, take a poetry class and learn how to say something very compressed in one little metaphor or well-chosen word. Or take a one of the ones I love is screenwriting. Mm-hmm. Because screenwriting is all about storytelling and dialogue, and 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 we all think like screenwriters in a lot of ways because we all watch a lot of television and films. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, but I would really start with, you know, what would you even even if it's actually doesn't seem that relevant, it'll make you more interesting. You know, even if it's a painting class, you just always really wanted to take a painting class, and you love to draw in high school, and you you haven't done it since. If you love it, or if it's music, if you love it, it's going to make you better at what you do. Um, you'll there will be some kind of interesting little bridge that you never knew was mm-hmm. there. So I would say, you know, really start with what turns you on instead of like 
everybody kind of dutifully going to Toastmasters or dutifully going to, <laughs> which which is know, still a good idea though. Um, but as long as they, as long as they, I mean, as long as they follow through with it, yeah. Uh, like, Toastmasters is is a wonderful. I mean, I love it. It's 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 such a wonderful um, resource. But you know, we all you know, like we all do it because we all know we're supposed to do it. Do something that's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Do something just because you want to do it. And um, improv classes. I, I had a, a guest on the show, a woman named Kathy Sallet, who had written a book about performance uh, <laughs> in the workplace and based upon you know, she's a an acting teacher, an improv actor, and and had a great, you know, great thing in there that about you know, in, in improv, when somebody hands a line, one actor hands a line to the other one, the one receiving it, you know, sort of the standard response is yes and, and then they right. build on yeah. that, and it made you think about it. in normal sort of conversation, we tend to say yes but, yeah, and the yes buts, you know, that's closing things off. Yes and. Thinks opens it up, so you think about all the times back where you're talking to customers or prospects, and they say, "You know, do you do this?" And we say, "Yes, we do that," but it's a little bit different, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly, as soon as you say the "but," they start closing down. Yeah. So that's an example yeah. of you know how studying other disciplines can really help you in ways that perhaps oh, are unanticipated. Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example. My my speaking coach, um, who I love, she's brilliant. Her name is Victoria Labom, and Victoria's training is is a mime. She studied with mm-hmm. Marcel Marceau. So, I mean, if you could think of a an artistic realm that would not help a speaking coach, I think mime would probably, you know, be high on the list. Exactly, yeah. Um, and at the same time, so much of what she teaches is about visual communication and about body language and about um, – Rhythm and you know, I mean, there's so much that's relevant to what she learned as a very serious student of mime mm-hmm. that applies to her speaking coaching. Um, you know, and so she's coaching, you know, she's coaching mime techniques to the Microsoft executives. I mean, it's just wonderful. You know, it's what a wonderful world we live in. Um, <laughs> so is. yeah, don't 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 be so quick to think that it might not be really applicable to to what you're doing nine to five. Got it. Well, good stuff. Well, we've reached the uh, reached the end of the show. So, Sonia, um, tell folks how they can find out more about you and connect with you. And, if, yeah, if they're in Rome, <laughs> drop in on you. <laughs> <laughs> Come wave hello. Yeah. Um, best place, um, you know, the best place to find me, just swing by the Copy Blogger blog, copyblogger.com. Um, say hello. You know, I also have a, a podcast. You can find that at copyblogger.fm. We make these things very complicated for you to find. Um those are great. Um, I'm very, you know, I'm very responsive in the comments there, and I would love to sort of see what you've got in mind or what you're thinking about. Um, I am often very easy to find on Twitter, just at Sonia Simone, very easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will warn you that sometimes my productivity requires me to be stern with myself. So <laughs> I do have times <laughs> when I, I don't hit Twitter, um, and I might be hard to reach there, but I'm always easy to reach over on Copyblogger. So. Okay, great. Well, Sonia, again, thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. It's really been a pleasure. Great. And friends, thank you, as always, for taking this time spending with us today. Remember to make it part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is make sure you join all my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Sonia Simone, who shared her expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.
Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.